And welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Of course, today we are getting to the Rose Bowl. Obviously, a tough loss for Wisconsin, a 28-27 to loss. Kind of a thriller back and forth, as it always seems to be with the Rose Bowl and the Badgers. Uh, but unfortunately, on the wrong end of it. But a uh, lot to talk about about the game as the season kind of wraps up for Wisconsin football. So, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, obviously the game didn't go the way, you know, most Wisconsin fans would want it to. Uh, but I, I, I think in the end, it, it was such a cool atmosphere. I know you were there. So what did you take from it? Yeah, I was. And I, it was, I was really impressed with the stadium as a whole. Uh, it was a beautiful atmosphere. Obviously, uh, you, you can't really beat Southern California weather in general, but the stadium itself with uh, you know everything around it was great. The field was was absolutely amazing. You know, it, it's it was pretty impressive. It li- definitely lived up to the hype of what I, I always thought the Rose Bowl was coming into it. Um, the the drinks beforehand outside of the stadium and in the stadium, I would say <laughs> pretty expensive. Uh, so if you're planning on coming out to the Rose Bowl, expend to drop some cash if you want to tailgate the way Wisconsin fans like to tailgate. Uh, I saw, uh, was it $17 for a Coors Light? It was $17 for basically. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Yeah, so we're like, well, at that point, if you can get a beer for seventeen dollars and something else for seventeen dollars, we're just gonna get the hard stuff. But uh, yeah, no doubt. How, yeah, it's kind of how Los Angeles is. It's pretty much fifteen to seventeen bucks a drink almost anywhere you go. It seems like so. Uh, definitely, definitely an expensive uh, trip out to the Rose Bowl, but but worth it if you if you haven't gone before and if if you're ever debating on it and you get a chance to see your team. This is kind of a public service announcement that I think I think any fan of, of a team getting a, a, their chance to see your team play in the stadium is well worth it, at least once. So, Yeah, no, and I remember when I went in, it, it, is, it is super cool. I, you know, obviously, you know, you had the hues in the sky going on of like purple and pinks and stuff. It, it's so pretty and so cool. Um, you know, I, I actually liked how it reflected off of Oregon's uh, helmets. I thought their uniforms were just absolutely god awful the contrast with the field was terrible but the helmets were actually really cool so that was one thing in wisconsin obviously in the all whites um how did that look from your perspective could you see the the helmets glare off of them as well we couldn't see it until you looked up at the scoreboard and and saw a replay of it um that's when i noticed it but on the field you couldn't really tell um and granted it was it was we were kind of lower down so it was a little hard to see uh, the tops of their helmets anyways. But, uh, yeah, it was, I didn't really see it until the scoreboard showed it, but it was, it was a pretty cool thing. Other than that though, the uniforms, I would kind of agree. It made it a little hard to see the green end zone, uh, for Oregon with match with the green field made really made it kind of difficult to tell where the teams were on the field. For some reason, it looked like an extra 10 yards, uh, cause we were down in that other corner, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought the helmets were cool, but other than that, I wasn't, uh, super impressed with the Oregon uniforms and they usually roll out something pretty cool for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So what's your like overall takeaways from this game? So we can go broad and then we can focus in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, 
I would say the overall takeaway is I know I know Badger fans are frustrated with with some of the calls that got missed, but really at the end of the day, I think it comes down to the turnovers. I mean, you can't turn the ball ball over four times, essentially spot them seven points on one, and and, and expect to win football games. That's just you know that's that's how it's gone with the Illinois game. They turned it over a couple times and lost, and you just can't you can't do that and, and expect to win games. So really, that for me was the takeaway of it. I know. I know there were some bad calls that, that people look to, but I, I still kind of th- think back to you, you got to hang on to the football, and this Badger team just didn't and, and didn't execute. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I would I would kind of go with even even more broad, just beyond just the turnovers. It's just the mistakes. They just compounded in this game, and it was every opportunity that Wisconsin had to kind of close the door and to pull away, they weren't able to do it. It was It was obviously the fumbles the interception but then you have a dropped punt you have missed field goals you have settling for field goals in the red zone you've got you've got just stupid penalties that negate huge you know you get a 12 yard rush and you get a holding call that is completely almost on the other side of the field as the guys way past you and those are the things you can't do and and it was it was egregious like it wasn't even like there's no arguing the holding call on Jason Erdman when Jonathan Taylor had a 12-yard uh, run for a first down, that, and they had to settle for a field goal. It was, I mean, he tackled the dude. It wasn't even close. So the Wisconsin has nobody to blame but themselves in this one. I, I mean, it was the players left everything they had out there. I thought that they obviously were trying. They they did their best, but in the end, a lot of them are going to be looking back on this and, and thinking, you know man, we had so many chances for that game. They changed one of those slight outcomes, whether it is that holding call, whether it is not dropping a punt. It might have been blocked anyways, but not fumbling it in your own end uh, two different times or throwing an interception your own end. Um, it, the whole game's just shifted, and and that's, that's the basic thing of the game I saw. It reminded me of, uh, have you ever seen the movie Liar, Liar? Um, I don't know if I have. So Jim Carrey just beats the living hell out of himself in a bathroom one time. And that's what I was watching that game and just thinking, what are the Badgers doing? Like it was them just literally trying to just beat themselves into submission in a lot of ways. And Oregon was just kind of like, oh, thank you. And, you know, that Brian Breezy where he just walked into the end zone basically on the on the punt, it, that was basically the game. It was them not being able – them just being like, oh, sure, I guess we'll score here if you're going to allow us to. And the Badgers just giving them way too many opportunities in a game that the Badgers, uh, I think, were the superior talented team um, in a lot of ways and then just, you know, kind of crap the bed. Yeah, and, and it's true. And it's really it's uncharacteristic of this of Wisconsin teams in general. I mean, you don't really see the Badgers tend to make mental mistakes the way they did in that game and obviously the turnovers stand out as as the big ones but you're right I mean little things that that add up to big things over time you know letting I remember one was one was just as simple as they, they the, a punt bounce I don't know who it was but he picked it up instead of letting it bounce and roll another 10 yards for the Badgers and it's just like little things like that that add up and add up and you could you could really sense it from the fans in the stadium that they were frustrated more so with that. Obviously, the turnovers 
are are hard to watch and and hard. But a lot of those were were plays made by Oregon on the turnover front. Obviously, the fumbled punt is is a different story. But the you know the 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 Jonathan Taylor fumble they got in there and ripped it out. That's that's still Oregon making a play as frustrating as it is. Um, but the other things are things that really Wisconsin could have controlled and they didn't really do well. Which, which is even more frustrating when you practice for, for three weeks, essentially, to, in preparation for this game to make mistakes like that. Is, it's got to be, you know, as a fan, you got to kind of want to pull your hair out when that happens, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I, I always go back to it, though, is like however fans are feeling, because obviously most likely the people who are listening to this right now are fans of, of Wisconsin. Um are, are however upset that we are as fans goes nothing in, or just hails in comparison to how upset with themselves a lot of the players are you know because they they went into it wanting to make history they wanted to get the proverbial monkey off their back and win the rose bowl after, and instead this is this is the legacy i mean this is a game that anthony Lottie is going to look back and never be happy about for the rest of his life you're Danny Davis is going to kick himself for basically three straight possessions that he had, you know, he fell down on a play. He fumbled on a play. You know, it was just like, it was things that they're going to look back on and not be happy about. And Wisconsin just needs to really try to use that as fuel for next year. I know for some of the seniors like Anthony Lottie or Jonathan Taylor or Zach Bond, it's going to look back and kind of leave a sour taste. But for some of the younger guys, it's an opportunity to know what they need to to fix and really try to focus on for next year because it wasn't just this game that the Badgers have been sloppy with the ball. It's been these past like five games for them where they've had too many turnovers. And we talked about it in the, in the rundown that turnovers were going to be huge. And you specifically spoke about Justin Herbert running the ball. I was all about the turnovers. You were all about him running the ball and boom, it like it, a perfect colossal mess all happened at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it did kind of play out. Obviously, we didn't expect the turnovers, but it did kind of play out how we both kind of envisioned it, where things kind of you know, were, were slow at first, and but each team kind of threw punches and, and took punches, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out for the Badgers in the end. But yeah, it kind of played out exactly how we were thinking and, and looking at it. But yeah, you're definitely right. Obviously, the players, it's got to hurt. I, I mean... I know Anthony Lottie tweeted out that he was so sorry after the game, and you hate to see, you know. I that's know a, he, did I, you see that that's actually not Anthony Lottie? It's some oh, it's ran, not? No, it's some random dude in Pennsylvania whose <laughs> name is Anthony Lottie, and he said he was sorry, and I, like, legit just laughed my butt off all day because I was like, wow, because people were like, it's okay, like, consoling him, and he's just, like, completely trolling the world. Oh, that's okay. That that is. Great. <laughs> I, saw that. I saw Bob tweet at him and and say like, "Keep your head up." And I was like, "Oh, that must be Anthony Lottie." I didn't even think think twice about it. But that's 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 a good one. I, but hopefully that doesn't mean that that you know fans were tweeting at that guy and and getting after him because obviously the players feel bad. They don't mean to fumble the punts. So they don't mean to to do that. It just sort of happens. And unfortunately, it's it'll something that's going to stick with them a lot longer than that allows others stick with, you know, us as the fans. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's, it's one of those things where we'll see kind of how the chips fall and it's, it's obviously will sting for a while for the players, fans, coaches alike. But it, it, like I said, it gives them an opportunity to know what they need to clean up for next year because they were the more talented team in my eyes. Do you agree with that? 
Oh yeah, you know you could you could see it. You know, uh, just on running the football, getting getting pushes by the offensive line. I think this team, you know, even on the defense, they they were making plays on Justin Herbert and making it really tough. They 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 found some open windows throwing the ball, but overall talent wise, you know, the starting twenty two versus Oregon starting twenty two, I would have wanted Wisconsin's team just because of the way they played, the way they executed. It just was a lot of mistakes that allowed the the inferior team to hang around and and stay in the football game and when you give teams and an opportunity like that to stay in the football game and strike late that happens and unfortunately they they kind of did that and allowed Oregon to hang around and and that was the unfortunate result but yeah I thought Wisconsin was at least from my perspective there the far superior team on both sides of the football yeah yeah and I would I would say I always I keep saying talent because I think the better team doesn't do those things that leads to another team hanging around. Um, But, you know, I thought Paul Chris put it just perfectly summed it up really well. I know Chris isn't generally like a huge soundbite type of guy for, for the media, Um, you know, on the, on the record, off the record, he's usually a little bit more funny and uh, a little bit more punchy, but, you know, he just said, we didn't overcome ourselves. And that's, that's what it was. It was just, we watched a team for three hours basically disassembled themselves in on live TV and, and against the team who is good enough that you can't do that against. And it, it was hard to watch. It was like the Illinois game, essentially, in a lot of ways, or in a lot of other games that we've seen when it's come to the Rose Bowl, where the Badgers have had their chances and they allow TCU to just win on flukiness, you know, or Oregon win on just flukiness. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating when you think when you think back about it. And there's so many plays that kind of stick out in your head and say, man, if this would have gone, this would have gone differently. Or, man, if we would have finished off this drive, you know, maybe it's a one two score game, you know, 10 points, 14 points. You're finally starting to gain some ground. And each time Wisconsin seemed to do that, it it just came back and something bit them. So it's definitely frustrating on that regard. And unfortunately, it just kind of was that's kind of the story of the Badger season is just. Not not necessarily mistakes every time to, to cause every loss, but really just a few more plays here and there, and and all sorts of games could have gone differently. And you know, I, they were talking about it after that this Wisconsin team lost four games, and it doesn't seem like that because they played so well in the games that they won and most of the time. But those four losses, a lot of things stick out to you, and that's just kind of the encompassing thought of the entire season is just a few more plays here and there, and a lot of those games could have gone differently. No doubt. What what did you think about the offense in general? I th- you know from what it seemed on the field, uh, I I was looking up stats this morning because I didn't know how many Jonathan Taylor finished with in terms of yards. It, it said ninety one. It didn't seem like he got to ninety one. I know it was uh, three yards in a cloud of dust every time he kind of touched the football and he got it, you know, quite a few times. So that'll add up. But he seemed to really be. They did a good job of of negating Jonathan Taylor and, and making it hard for the Badgers to, if they, if they got loose, they, they were there in the second level to get to him and not let him make big plays. Um, I also saw that Jack Cohn threw it 35 times. And that's kind of, that's kind of the telltale for me for the offense. If, if Jack Cohn has to throw it 30 plus times, usually it means the offense isn't clicking in the run game. Um, And, and that it, it essentially came down to, I think for the offense was how often can Jack Cohn find, Quintez Cephas to keep the ball moving that's essentially what it looked like to me but what about yourself yeah I mean I would agree I I think anytime 
you look and you see a quarterback for Wisconsin throwing 35 times, that's usually not a good indicator. Wisconsin only ran it 37 times. So, it, I mean, obviously some balance there, but that's not generally how Wisconsin does things uh, most of the time. You know, Jonathan Taylor averaged almost five yards a carry, four and a half or so. Um, the jet sweeps definitely helped. Um, it would have been nice if they had kind of gone to that a little earlier, I think. And then I think after a while, they kind of overdid it. Um, but, I mean, you look at Quintez Cephas, what he put on the field, he only had seven catches. He should have had more in a lot of ways. He, he, I know that he was targeted a few more times, but he only had seven catches for 59 yards. It's, it's, they didn't really stretch the field. Jonathan Taylor had that 34 yard reception and Jake Ferguson had that early 22 yarder. But other than that, like they didn't stretch the field. They tried to a couple of times, once on the Cephas pass interference, the other time on the Kendrick Pryor deep ball that man, oh man, that's, he had him by a good step and a half, two steps. And the ball just wasn't placed where it needed to be. Otherwise he's walking into the end zone. So I, I thought that would be my one thing that I wish that the Badgers would have try, attempted to try to go deep on them a little bit more. Um, but other than that, I thought overall the Badgers called a pretty good game. They just didn't execute. They just fumbled and they had penalties when they when they did um, have bigger gains. And you just can't do that and you know hurt yourself or stub your toe in those moments. Um, and so that was. That was just hard to see for a Badger offense. Yeah, yeah, it just seemed to really be Wisconsin slugging it and slugging it and really trying to get things going, but couldn't pick up that that big play. Obviously, not a lot of yardage-wise plays stick out to me other than the two that you already mentioned with Taylor and Ferguson, and that one was kind of early in the game. But it just seemed like there were were some opportunities left on the board that they could have attacked a little further down the field and, and went after some other stuff, and they just didn't. And... And maybe that's, you know, part of the credit goes to that, that Oregon defense. They were a lot better than I expected. I I said kind of in our pregame show, I didn't think Oregon had faced a rushing attack like this and that, you know, Wisconsin would essentially bully ball it down the field uh, with Jonathan Taylor. And that, that really wasn't the case. Um, obviously, he didn't get in the end zone. If you're going to win a football game at Wisconsin these last three years, it's usually going to be on the back of Jonathan Taylor scoring a couple touchdowns. When he doesn't, that that usually is an indicator of, of how a how the offense went, but b how the opposing defense you know matched up, and and I think they did some good things to to slow down Wisconsin's running game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I had brought up Troy Dye's name, and sure enough, he was second leading tackler and forced that one Jonathan Taylor fumble. So it's they they have weapons up front, especially their two safeties played phenomenal. Uh, Brady Breeze and Javon Holland, I thought they both played really well. Um, the pass rush wasn't nearly as big of a an issue for the Badgers whatsoever. Uh, I thought that they gave Cone time a lot of times, other than that one where he threw the interception, where he got clobbered upside the the face mask. Um, but man, oh man, they they just they had their opportunities. And on offense, it's a game where if you're going to put the ball on the ground, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It was it was definitely frustrating on that side. It, it, they still put up 27 points, but when you think about the turnovers and you know the missed field goal, you you look at all that, you see a lot more points on the board that that team could have scored and 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 probably won the football game if you again just convert or or avoid some mistakes on a few plays on a few drives. 
then that's kind of the game of football. That's, that's usually what it comes down to is a few plays here and there that either put you on the winning side or, or put you on the losing side in these tight games like that. Yeah, I mean, they got the ball on the Oregon 27-yard line after that Sanborn interception. They went three and out. They gained one yard and kicked a field goal. And that's You just can't do that. You nope. just can't do that. And then later on, they had a 12-play, 50-yard drive that ate up seven minutes, and they missed a field goal. <laughs> yeah, I don't – yeah. that's that's your game. Like, right. they're, like, you can't do that. If you look at their first, you know, six possessions, it's a touchdown from the Crickshank kickoff which was freaking awesome, by the way. Like, that just – I'm sure, like, everybody went nuts inside the stadium for that. Oh, yeah, that one was was definitely pretty cool because that – obviously, that Oregon drive to start, it kind of took the wind out of some Wisconsin fans' sale. Obviously, pregame, it's exciting. Everything's going. The, the flyover is awesome. The pageantry of the pregame activities is always cool. And then for Oregon to essentially come out and dink and dunk and drive right down the field pretty easily and score, you were kind of – as a Wisconsin fan, you know, three, four minutes into the game, you're already behind. And you're like, uh-oh, this this doesn't look good. And then Aaron Cruikshank just to, to find that hole. You could kind of – we were in the opposing end zone, the one that they scored in, uh, and they were essentially coming right down opposite field. So you kind of saw from our angle the holes kind of opening up, and then obviously it just kind of broke loose from there, and he was able to make that, you know, basically that stiff arm and, and make that last guy miss, and, and then it was like, okay, ball game on. And it, it kind of felt like the, the 2012 Rose Bowl against Oregon where all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe this is going to get into a track meet and back and forth. Obviously it didn't, but uh, that that kickoff return was, was pretty exciting and, and probably – when you think about it, obviously the, the, there's other plays in the game that were fun to watch, but that was definitely, I think, the most exciting for Wisconsin fans. Yeah, I mean, it was it was so exciting to see him do that just because, you know, the wind was definitely out of the sails, it kind of felt like, after that first drive where they just they just dismantled the Badgers down the field and you were kind of like, okay, this, is, this isn't what we were thinking was going to happen. Right. Um, you know, we thought maybe they'd come out a little slower, but you could tell that they wanted the ball right away, obviously. Um, so... It was that was such a big play, but then you go the next five drives, the field goal after an interception, a yeah. punt on three and out. You have a field goal missed when you finally get a drive going. Then you fumble right away. Then you throw an interception. It's like like that is not how you draw up how to win a football game whatsoever. No. That is like that is like the antithesis of what every team wants to do in starting a football game. You know, the Badgers would go on and, and score a touchdown the next drive, but man oh man, like you you had chances. You had chances and um they got nobody to blame but themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah, and the, and that I think that's the most frustrating part is that you uh, you know, I always say that if you if you lose a football game, and you simply just get beat by the better team. Um, it, it's a lot easier to swallow than than essentially beating yourself and losing to a team that you should have beaten. I think that's what'll make it sting. As you look back on it, is that you know this this Justin Herbert and Oregon team really wasn't, I think, anything that special. And it, I think it's a game that Wisconsin should have won. And I think you know, I think to the Big Ten championship game, yes, it was exciting because the Badgers were up twenty-one to six. But the better football team, you know, came out in the second half and and beat them pretty badly. In this game, it it wasn't that. It wasn't that Oregon did anything better or or stronger than Wisconsin. It was it was essentially Wisconsin hurting themselves. 
Yeah, do you want to talk about the defense a little bit? Because I thought they played exceptional this game. Like, especially yeah. given all the all the quick changes that happened because the offense and the special teams were consistently putting them on the field in tough situations. I thought Jim Leonard, outside of that first drive where they obviously gave up like 75 yards, they didn't even give up 150 yards the rest of the game. I mean, it's there was it was sheer domination by that defense and a lot of times they even stopped that one uh after the fumble they stopped it stopped them on that fourth down and it was like okay they got this and you know more more toast of and took on took place but man I thought the defense played well they didn't get to Justin Herbert as much as I think that they would have liked to um you know they still had two sacks but overall they they stuffed the run they only give up 2.2 yards a carry which is which is phenomenal for a defense, especially after the way that they had started the game with those 75 yards. I thought the defensive staff made some really nice adjustments after that. Yeah, I would agree. I think the defense was was by far the the superior side of the football for Wisconsin. They they did a good job of. I know they didn't get to Justin Herbert as much as they wanted to, but it seemed like Jim Leonard was bringing blitzes and and stuff from different areas where Justin Herbert couldn't couldn't go to the line of scrimmage and say, okay, this guy's coming, this guy's coming, this is where I need to look at it. He, he kind of did a good job of disguising it and, and switching things up and, and making Justin Herbert have to have to think about each throw, think about each read, and make him a little uncomfortable. And, and I think that's, you know, we talked when I talked with Joseph Yoon of Addicted to Quack, that's what he kind of mentioned, that Justin Herbert sometimes struggles with uh, you know opposing defenses, bringing blitzes and bringing pressure, and that can make him kind of, get confused in some throws and if you're if you're a team that's looking at him for the next level I think that's that's probably a concern is that you know Jim Leonard who's an NFL type guy has an NFL type mind was able to diagnose some blitzes and and shut down the run game essentially make Justin Herbert beat him uh attempt with his arm and obviously his feet ended up being his his most strong weapon but Really, I think the defense did a good job of that. And then, you know, you mentioned the run game. They were they were excellent against a really good two-headed monster for the Oregon Ducks in the backfield. So I was impressed with, with them when essentially the first seven points, yeah, were bad, but and, and then we spotted them seven points. The other points for Oregon were, were pretty hard to come by in a lot of ways. Yeah, and they and all of those came from all those 21 of outside of that first drive, Jeeps. Um the other 21 points all came from those quick change turnovers. Like Mm -hmm. they scored on three of those four turnovers. One of them, like I said, was where they just waltzed in the end zone on the, on the drop punt. And, but the defense, I thought the defensive line looked really good. It gives me kind of some excitement looking towards next year to think of what Garrett Rand and Isaiah Loudermilk. And obviously you got, you know, some, some stellar guys on the inside. Once, once you get Bryson Williams back healthy, I think that defensive line is going to be, much improved which will really help the team in a lot of ways yeah and you know we talked about it obviously last in our pre-rose bowl show of the four you know offensive line and defensive line units we we kind of expected wisconsin's defensive line to be the weakest and and to be maybe a spot for concern against a really good oregon offensive line but but those guys held their ground and and did a good job against a really solid oregon you know front five that has been highly touted all season. So yeah, you're right. You kind of got to give a, a tip of the cap to to those guys that were were battling in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I also thought that the outside linebackers, although they didn't get to the quarterback as much, I thought Noah Burks played really well. 
Um, you know, he had was second on the team in tackles. He helped did a nice job of maintaining and holding the edge. He had a couple tackles for loss. Uh, I, I thought that was really um, positive to see. And then it was also good to see Jack Sanborn make some splash plays with that with that interception. Uh, I, I mean, he was just spying the quarterback the whole whole way. Saw him, you know, go to throw and just popped right in the passing lane and made a nice catch. So I thought the defense they did everything they could. I mean, if you hold a team. When you, your offense has given up four turnovers in your own territory and you give up 28 points, like, my goodness, you should win that football game based on what the defense did. But the offense and the special teams just didn't do enough to help them out. Yeah, that, that, and that's the, that's the frustrating part in a lot of ways is that you, you did enough to win a football game, and again, you just, you just didn't. Um, let's talk about the, the penalties. I know a lot of fans were upset after the game on a couple of those calls. I I didn't really see the ones on the other end. The Danny Davis pass interference I saw, they threw the flag, and I immediately knew what they were throwing it for, but it looked like a bad call from where I was sitting. Um, and obviously the reaction online was that it was very much a bad missed call. But just from the you know from watching it on TV, how, how bad did it look as a missed call, and was it pretty egregious, or, or how did you see it? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a bad call. It's a call that shouldn't have been made just as much as uh, the way in which he was trying to get out of his release. The Oregon corner put his hands on him first, was had his shoulder hands with inside, just like a, a prototypical hold um, by a corner. And he's trying to get his release on the outside. You could even see him trying to get onto the outside, wasn't able to to get the release with his hands. And, you know, he fell forward. And sure enough, that's basically what happened. It, it, I think the biggest thing is that call shouldn't have been made in the situation mm. that, that what they, he did had no bearing on that play that was going to end up with a first down to Jake Ferguson, no matter what um, he, he was just trying to get his release, wasn't able to do it. Uh, and I, I think I feel bad for Danny Davis because he was doing everything he could to just try to get out of the play. His job in that route is to clear space by just going vertical and he wasn't able to do it on a fade route. The ref threw the flag, and it's it makes such a huge difference in that situation because it's the a swing of a first down, you know, a 12 yard gain or whatever, and a first down versus, tw- you know, third and 20. And mm-hmm. and there's there's no playbook in the world that's like yes, third and 20. This is our bread and butter. Uh, in your own territory. So that was such a huge momentum swing that you, you just hope that a ref wouldn't make that call in that situation unless it is completely egregious. And I, I didn't see it there personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it was right kind of in front of us. And I, I knew that's what he threw it for because everyone was cheering. And I said, uh oh, this isn't going to be good. And then sure enough, because, you know, if you watch, obviously you watch a lot of football, you see when, when offensive pass interference that's usually the direction that it kind of comes from is, is a route like that. And it, it looked a little bit like it, but I didn't think it was, it was something that a flag should have been thrown. And, and it seemed like Danny Davis was just trying to get into his route where it's such a, it's such a call that you, you, you kind of have to let develop. And, and unfortunately the refs didn't. And it, it obviously comes back to sting uh, Wisconsin fans and a couple other calls seem to, but as a football fan, you know, you've you've probably dealt with a bad call for your team time and time again. It seems like the refs are are kind of against every team, uh, and I think it just comes back to it's it's more so just 
poor refereeing across the board. We've kind of had that all season in college football from from at least what I I've seen and what I've watched in in games across the country. There's been a lot of of poor poorly officiated games. Yeah, and I mean, I think it goes across all levels, whether it's high mm-hmm. school, whether it's NFL, whether obviously we're talking college college football, but it ha- it's happening everywhere. It's such a tough job. Uh, I don't know if you've ever I've, – I've done basketball. It, it's such a tough job because you have so much to be watching for, so many different indicators and so many different spaces to be watching in your job, and th- there's no way to do it, it perfectly. I know that there's a lot of people who want, you know, different computerized, different things that they that could be done. But in reality, this is what it is. There was calls that went against Oregon. There was calls against Wisconsin. If if fans want to be mad about something, be mad about the turnovers and the missed opportunities. Wisconsin was in Oregon territory multiple times, settled for field goals on three different situations, made two of them. And you make that field goal, you win. Yeah, it, you you don't have to kick a field goal at your own or at the opponent's nine yard line. You win. It's 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 no different than what happened to Ohio State a week ago. Ohio State is has made this whole thing about conspiracy theorists against against ESPN trying to fix a game when in reality Ohio State's probably the biggest marketed team in the entire universe. It, you know, so it, it's it's stupid. Ohio State kicked a bunch of field goals in their up. Uh, Posing territory and wasn't able to get touchdowns. They had dropped passes. Wisconsin did the exact same thing that doomed Ohio State in that game. Even though I think Ohio State was the better team than Clemson, it's 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 how sports work, and it's why people love the game but also hate the game at the same time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if if Wisconsin would have played a perfect game and and converted everything that they had the opportunity to convert on, and done a good job and, and executed everything and then they got screwed by a call that that cost them the game then yeah I would be much more upset and and kind of in the same boat that Ohio State you know fans were but Wisconsin shot themselves in the foot way too many times to to blame this on on a couple calls that didn't go their way obviously it was a big call it was the wrong call in that situation and it hurt but there was many other situations that t- you should be more upset about with with your own team versus the refs. And unfortunately, that's just uh, another compound of it where Wisconsin made mistakes, the refs made mistakes, and unfortunately, that's that's usually not a good outcome to to win a football game. Yeah. Um, Want to talk a little special teams? Because I, I think that was such a huge part of this game, both for the positive and negative for Wisconsin, that I think – I mean, that was it was it was tough to watch at some points. And then other times, you know, obviously with the Crickshank touchdown, it was it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you get when you get seven points from your special teams to start the game and it's huge, especially for Wisconsin, a team that that doesn't necessarily strike quickly uh, uh, when they're scoring points. They usually are driving the ball down and and getting into the red zone and either punching it in or kicking a field goal. So to get an explosive type touchdown from your special teams is is pretty important uh but then you got the negative unfortunately of essentially giving those seven points right back on on the fumble that uh i i struggle to understand what happened on the fumble i know anthony a lot of absolutely feels bad and people behind us were saying it was the snap you know it was kind of right in front of us and it, it looked to me like it was just a drop and unfortunately it's happened you know twice in a row and in in two big spots in both of those games, but it's certainly been a frustrating season overall on the special teams front. What do you say about it? 
Yeah, outside of Aaron Crickshank and what he's brought to the table, I think Zach Hintz continued to just boot the ball through the end zone. They have a phenomenal return man, so it was big for them to be able to kick that through the end zone and make sure that they couldn't get a big splash play against the Badgers. But I think the Badgers need to, to fix some things on special teams and get some get some more players in there. I know Anthony Lottie was a scholarship punter, but these the non-scholarship kicker thing is not working in my eyes. They got to – like, Rafael Gaglianoni, outside of his back issues, was was phenomenal for them when he, when he was called upon and he was a scholarship kicker. I think the Badgers need to go out and – and try to bring in multiple kickers and punters to try to infuse competition in there. I know they have Jack Van Dyke coming in. I know that Blake Wilcox is, is in the pipeline as well as a guy that they're, they're high on, but there's, there's gotta be more out there that the Badgers can do because the, the field goal kicking wasn't good enough. Granted, he missed a 47 yarder, which is no easy doing, especially for a college kicker, but it's been all season long. You got the yeah. punting has been a problem all season long. I, I think Anthony Lottie only averaged 40, 40 yards per punt one time in his career as a starter. It, there, you got to tell me that there's somebody out here can who can punt a better on average than 40 yards per punt. Uh, I mean, other teams are finding them, so it's got to be available. So I think that's something the Badgers have got to do is try to – I mean, I understand that roster spots are, are tough with – when you have a uh, 85 man roster and you can have only a you know, a hundred or whatever um, when you kind of roll past that, but you, you can't tell me you can't have six specialists on your roster that are consistently with the team because it's that important. And it's something that I think that the staff needs to, to possibly fix in a lot of ways because it, it hasn't been good enough the past few seasons at kicker and punter. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about it. It's it's obviously a position most coaches, I'm sure they think about it, but it's never the most important position in terms of recruiting or, or getting players. And obviously we both get that and the fan base gets that. But it still comes down to it's it's a pretty crucial position in those moments. And if you have a guy that you trust uh, to put three points through the uprights or or to get a ball off on a punt, it, it makes your job a lot easier to to kind of re- sit back and relax and not worry about those positions. When you've had what Wisconsin's has, you're never guaranteed the three points. You're never guaranteed to get uh, a good snap off and a, a good kick and, and flip the field, which is something that Wisconsin needs to do. So I would agree with you. I think they need to probably clean that up a little bit in these coming years, and that'll be something to obviously pay attention to with, with essentially for next year with such a poor season this bat this past season in terms of special teams, that'll be something that, you know, when we're doing our fall previews and our, our camp position by position stuff, that'll be one to pay attention to is the special teams because it wasn't, wasn't very good for most of this 2019 season. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. Um, did any, did any uh, players surprise you or give you some optimism for next season or for the, for the spring for them? You know, I think you know we talked about the defensive line already a little bit. I've I've been impressed with Keanu Benton all season long from from essentially stepping in as a true freshman. He held his own against a, a pretty good uh, defensive line uh, or offensive line, I should say, in Oregon. And then I think the other one that really got me excited is obviously Aaron Cruikshank. He's made some explosive plays uh, this season. And when you think about the receiving core with obviously Quintes Cephas, you know, a decision coming. 
Kendrick Pryor and guys like that, A.J. Taylor not going to be back. So there's going to be spots on that receiving core that are are going to be up for up for grabs. And Aaron Crookshank looks like a playmaker that that could really be exciting. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I like I like both of those picks. I also liked that they um, gave Isaac Arendo some run in this game. Yeah. I know he only got two touches, one one on a like a jet sweep end around, and the other on you know a quick pass catch, and he only got four yards. But it was still positive to see him out there, and it and it kind of lets you know what they're thinking of him for possibly this this fall coming forward. He's a guy that is going to be in the conversation to get some reps at running back because of his speed, because of his explosiveness. And he's got great size. He's, he's just starting to kind of scratch the surface at understanding the running back position. So I'm excited to see what he can do this spring and possibly give himself a shot at, uh, you know, contending with Nakia Watson for that running back job, because I don't know how many fans have been seeing this, but Nikia Watson hasn't really done anything these past yeah. like four games. He hasn't really gotten any carries, which is uh, – I don't know how to think about that because mm-hmm. obviously it's kind of crunch time, so they're going to go with their bread and butter, which is Jonathan Taylor. But at the same time, he was only out there for as a – you know, as window dressing and all on fakes. And right. other than that, he's been in special teams. He's looked fairly solid as a guy who pushes a pile and moves it forward, but we haven't seen the explosiveness that we've seen out of Isaac Rendo on one kickoff return that, that in Nakia Watson. Yeah, that's that's kind of what my thinking was too, you know. The the <laughs> the guy behind me when, when Isaac Rendo got his couple carries was like, who is number twenty? Because you really haven't seen a lot of him all season. But he's, you know, a guy that I think is gonna step in and compete for that running back spot that is probably going to be open with Jonathan Taylor is going to be open. I mean, let's not, let's not even say probably at this point, but I guess there's that 1% chance, but really it's going to be an interesting spot to watch because in the past, you know, you think of the Melvin Gordon, Monty ball, James white days when, when Monty ball was, was really dominating and running, he would come out and, and get a spell from Melvin Gordon and he would bust off a couple big runs where you saw the next guy waiting in the wings to, to take over and be the star of Wisconsin football. I don't know if I'd see that for Nakia Watson quite yet. And and maybe this offseason he'll he'll get tremendously better and he'll surprise us all. But coming into next year, I think that's that, that running back one position, which is so important for Wisconsin, is probably gonna be the main comp you know main topic of conversation outside of maybe QB one, which is always going to be a conversation when you have, you know, Jack Cohen and, and Graham Mertz competing in the uh, spring this next, next, next year. Yeah. I mean, and who knows? Cause it, it, it parallels nicely, you know, what happened with um, when we all thought it was going to be Bradrick Shaw and we, and, and it didn't turn out to be that it turned out to be Jonathan Taylor and right. Wisconsin's got guys, they've got Julius Davis, who's just starting to get healthy. Isaac Rendo finally healthy after after some some issues with his hamstring. So I think it's a positive sign to see him on the field after overcoming that hamstring injury. I'm excited to see if Julius Davis is 100 percent this this spring. And then I'm and then the big thing is um, Jalen Berger is going to be committing at the Army All-American game here. Uh We'll see kind of how that goes right now. A lot of people, a lot of smoke, I should say, that are going to Wisconsin, which would be huge because he's the type of guy who could immediately potentially give some ch- some carries as well. So I think 
that's a lot in flux in a lot of ways and it'll be exciting to see kind of how that unfolds absolutely all right well i think that kind of wraps up our rose bowl discussion obviously as we get going here these next few weeks we'll start to dive into some off-season stuff for next year but uh i'll, I'll do one final question for you matt is there any certain idea or or word that you would kind of define you know this 2019 2020 season as as we wrap up uh another obviously frustrating didn't end the way wisconsin wanted it to but another pretty solid season for wisconsin football yeah i would i would say it's bounced back in in a lot of ways just simply because the badgers had a season last year that really took a step back they they had been doing so well they had the the Orange Bowl victory, things were kind of looking positive. Uh, Wisconsin had some tumultuous off-the-field stuff with uh, some things in the locker room that didn't go great, you know, obviously with Quintus Cephas as well. Um, but then you, you saw a team that came back and kind of flexed their muscle, showing what they can do, the type of team that they are. I think the Badgers still have some room for growth. Um, but you also put together back-to-back -back really strong recruiting classes, which is – in the end, that's how college football comes to be is because of really strong recruiting classes. So I think I think bounce back, you know, is what the word or, you know, compound word I'm going to go with yeah. to, uh, to kind of sum up this season. Because overall, I think it's a success when you think about what they were last year. And a lot of people were thinking, you know, eight and four, nine and three. They end up winning 10 wins. They get to the Rose Bowl. Um, I don't know how many people would have pictured them in the Rose Bowl Uh come you know august 21st yeah i totally agree with you i think that's a good way to kind of put a put a wrap and a bow on this 2019 season is is was a bounce back year that was was indicative of how wisconsin usually goes winning 10 games winning maybe 11 12 games and and getting to a good bowl i know they were used to paul Christ's teams finishing the season strong and winning a bowl but uh it, it happens from time to time and unfortunately they, they came out on the wrong end of the rose bowl but that'll just be fuel for this 2020 2020 team as we get going here but guys as we always say at the end uh thank you guys for listening all football season long i think both matt and i have, have really enjoyed doing this and obviously we'll miss uh football and diving into that week in and week out. But we'll still continue to get you guys a ton of great content. Obviously, basketball is starting to roll. Had a big couple wins over Tennessee and Ryder, which we'll talk about uh, probably next week when, when I am back in uh, our home state of Wisconsin. We'll get into more of the basketball stuff. And then, of course, we'll start to dive into football offseason stuff. So Bucky's Fifth Podcast isn't going anywhere. But thank you guys again for listening all season long on Wisconsin. <laughs>